welcome to the most useful information podcast uh i'm tim and i'm here with my friend clay and we're going to talk to you today about two serious ladies by jane bowles uh how's it going clay it's going terrific how are you doing i'm i'm doing good i have a crick in my neck though from sleeping weird oh but golly other than that i'm good i was reading your newsletter and I, I forgot to mention this when we were chatting beforehand but you got your catalytic converter stolen again yeah so many i've had it stolen four times in like about a year and twice yeah. in november so um yeah. i got like a it's called a cat shield so i put like a shield on it so that it makes it more annoying to steal like, yeah i don't know oh. my understanding is with the prius you can take a catalytic converter off in like five minutes and with this yeah. shield it will make it so you, it would take like 30 minutes or something so hopefully they'll just see it and be like it's not worth it we definitely i've definitely heard it in my neighborhood like you can tell when someone's getting it stolen oh and really I was, yeah it was funny because we were we me and my girlfriend heard this like yeah this noise and i made a joke about it and then you just immediately heard a car peel off it was at like 11 a.m oh weird that's not see mine's always happened in the middle of the night yeah um or after 10 p.m right asleep but uh yeah but apart from the catalytic converter things are going sick yeah Um, i see you have the uh I just noticed you have the the edition that looks like Angus thongs and full frontal snogging, the the of two serious ladies. Oh, this one. Yeah, I love that cover. It it looks like a young adult <laughs> book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two serious young women. Yeah, I've got I've got this one. This one's a bit. This one looks more respectable. A bit more of a tome. Oh yeah, that's nice. I have I have that collection of her works, but it's like a one of those fsg modern classics with sort of like a yellow or kind of gold beige is it like a picture of a hat yeah yeah i think it is yeah i don't know i don't i don't love it and it's got a cracked spine so i don't you know how much i talk shit about book covers (laughs) (laughs) do you have um we're getting it but do you have the yeah sorry oh yeah i got it right here i have a really funny looking one too I love the. Oh, that's uh, that's pretty goofy. I've got this. Oh yeah, I, I went. Go- like, my I like mine better. But. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like. The, I just like this font right here. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's really great. why I got it. Some yeah. like yeah, Orientalism mysticism font. Oh, totally for sure. But yeah, no, I I got it, man. I've been I've been I got about halfway through Sheltering Sky, just to in preparation for we're obviously not talking about that but you know (laughs) yeah they're good companion Um, books though for sure yeah i i grabbed mine but i haven't reread it at all yeah but what let let's one of us do a summary of uh what what is two serious ladies about well yeah i was trying to think when you asked me that that should be an easy question uh it's about well, it's like two, it feels like it's two different books that were put into one book. Is that the vibe you get? Like she wrote two books and then just yeah. like combine the characters. Um, 
but it's about like two it's about two women and they're like I don't even know how to describe it. It's like two women and they're just like uh how would you describe this book? I actually have no idea how to describe yeah. this book. What <laughs> one thing I have written down in my notes is why is this book so weird? Dude, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh like I mean I can do a basic plot thing which is like there's a young Christina Apple no Christina Copperfield were you gonna say uh, Christina Applegate I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but oh wait no whole... no Chris Christina Goring and then you're right Christina Mi- Goring and then... I don't think Mrs. Copperfield has a name yeah okay Christina Goring um as a child <laughs> likes to play these religious games where her sister will have a friend over and they'll put on uh, burlap sacks and roll in the mud and forgive sins. Um, And so it's these weird religious games that it's sort of hard to see the, see the purpose of or where they're coming from, like what's inspiring these like weird games, weird rituals. And then in her adult life, which is most of the book, she's making these sort of rash decisions that feel like a continuation of the religious games where it's like where like she's doing these things out of some strong conviction but it's unclear where the conviction is coming from right so she she's wealthy she's independently wealthy and she lives in a nice house and her governess's niece stops by one day mrs miss gamlin gamlin the worst character in the whole book yeah, totally. Because I can't stand her. <laughs> she just moves in to uh, Miss Garing's house. I don't know why, and then just complains about it constantly. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Every everything that anyone does in the book doesn't. It doesn't make any sense why they're doing it. Which is why I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then she's yeah, she's like completely bitter about living there, and it's so strange. <laughs> Yeah, because she's electing to do it. She's she yeah. just and like so, Miss Garing at some point sells her house and then moves into a shack on an on Staten Island. I think is what it essentially is. Right. Um, and Miss Gam- Gamlin follows her and complains about it the whole time, but is still just like living with her. Um, yeah, like an absolute bum too. She like yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but also going back to sort of the plot, uh Miss Garing goes to a party where she meets her friend Mrs. Copperfield who says I'm about to go on this trip. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to go anyways. And at that party yeah. she meets a guy named Arnold who she goes back to his house with for some reason and then he lives yeah. with his parents and his dad takes a liking to her and she kind of takes a liking to his dad and Arnold goes to bed and Miss Garing goes to bed, but then is interrupted by Arnold's dad. And then Arnold's mom comes in and gets mad and kicks Miss Garing out. And then if I remember right, it kind of cuts off there ish mm-hmm. or thereabouts. And then it focuses on Mrs. Copperfield and the sort of adventure she was dreading, which is a trip to Panama with her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Panama, they stay at sort of a seedy hotel, and 
Mrs. Copperfield kind of develops a relationship with the owner of the hotel hotel and a and a sex worker who lives at the hotel or works at the hotel Pacifica um and and then they go off on these little adventures and do stuff I don't know it, that, everything feels sort of yeah it's all it feels kind of pointless I guess going through the plot because it's like it, these things happen and there's no real reason why or explanation why it's meaningful but eventually that part ends and it goes back to Miss Gehring and she's living in this shack and then she's kind of sick of her roommates it seems like and so she move, goes to this like remote town and meets a guy at a bar and moves in with him and then um, meets someone else at a bar and starts to go with him and then gets kind of stuck at this uh, diner or something while this guy that she's following around is having dinner with his friends and she calls Miss Copperfield and Mrs. Copperfield comes and they talk and they don't really get along I don't think in that last interaction and then they go their separate ways and that's yeah. kind of the plot of the book more or less but I guess a plot summary doesn't really do much for the book yeah that was a thing <laughs> I was trying to like think of how to describe this book without just describing everything that happens in it because it's just kind of a, a a vibe, not to abuse that word vibe, but the whole book, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's like Miss Goring, she just says yes to she she just like moves it. She, she moves in with all these guys for just seemingly no reason, like she doesn't even like them or anything. It's so strange. But yeah, that's did you? Yeah, I, I was just talking about it, but. Yeah, I, I had the feeling that, yeah, they, these were two different books that were written. And, like, Mrs. Copperfield seems like Mrs. Copperfield's probably Jane Bowles. Yeah, I think that's Mr. right. Yeah. Like, if you've read, if, 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 if you've read Sheltering Sky, it's like uh, Mrs. Copperfield's, like, Kit, and then Mr. Copperfield's, like, Port. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it feels like two different books, and then she just like made the characters like hang out at a party, like they they run into each other, and then like yeah, and then like ties it back in at the end when they meet up with each other again at at a different event. Yeah, so I don't think like I agree. It feels like two different books, and the only thing that really ties them together are those two encounters in mm. the kind of in the first and the last chapter um yeah, yeah. and yeah the middle section feels completely like on its own i read i was trying to find it but i can't remember i read yesterday that there was actually a third part um like with a different i think with sort of like a different main character and a different it was going to be like three serious ladies there was a third oh. lady and like another trip to some foreign country um, yeah. But Paul Bowles asked, not asked that she remove it, but uh, recommended she she cut it out. And she did. And I think it kind of came out as a short story. Um, but I don't remember which short story it is and stuff. I wonder. Yeah, I, I, I could find I'll I'm not going to be able to find it right now, but I'll be able to find out and let you know, because um, it's probably in that collection you have there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could use. There could just keep being more and more serious ladies. I love this book so much. And um, yeah, it, it, like 
I, I, I like how it's just completely unresolved it is. I would love like eight serious ladies, nine. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, 12 serious ladies for 12 serious husbands or something. Yeah. Uh, what what do you like about it? So, like, you said it's unresolved. Is there something else mm. you like about it? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't... I, to me, it's just... I, I, I don't even know how to ta- talk about it in like an academic way it's just such a weird book and i like i when i first read it i remember being like this is one of my favorite books for some reason and then i when we were talking about it i was like i don't even think i remember what happens in this book like i didn't remember a single thing i just remember like enjoying uh the whole vibe of it but um yeah i don't know why why i i I like i think it's like oh well, part of it is like I think it's just the funniest book I've ever read. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like this specific kind of like it's a very like cruel kind of humor. Like it's very like I don't know if you read like A Cool Million or like Heart of a Dog, but it's kind of like that. Like it's very absurdist in a yeah. way. All the characters are like kind of unlikable. Yeah. Um but yeah, I like I like that they I I like that they kind of operate like not really rationally in a way. They just yeah. kind of go with it. Um like Miss Go- Miss Goring reminds me of like what's that like kind of shitty Jim Carrey movie where he has to say yes to everything? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it's yeah. like. Or <laughs> <laughs> you're just like why? Like all the all the guys she ends up with too. Like it's yeah. like it's totally unromantic and not to keep bringing up sheltering sky, but because I was just reading that earlier this week. Yeah. Like, like, uh, uh, like kit getting together with like tunnel tunner. Do you remember the book very well? Like sheltering sky very well. Uh, I'm not going to remember specifics very well. It's been a long time. Well, she's kind of like, obviously there's like the whole thing of like, like the the Paul Bowles character getting like cucked by this guy uh, Tunner that he brings on the trip, yeah, and yeah. like Kit like just doesn't even like uh, Tunner at all, but he she just like has an a, affair with him for like seemingly no reason, like she yeah. doesn't even seem interested, and that's kind of how all these characters operate in this book. Like they don't yeah. even like the people they surround themselves with. The only like Miss Garing likes or says she likes arnold's dad um, oh yeah and i oh, can't God. figure out why necessarily like, like he gets so <laughs> pathetic <laughs> oh. oh he he's so cringy i feel for him though that it's just painful this book is weird and like i don't know if you like look it up on google scholar or something there'll probably be stuff about like like Jane Bowles in the female avant-garde or something like that. But yeah, totally. But, but also it's like, I feel like it's a weird example of something that's avant-garde because it's so straightforward and like the writing isn't like experimental or anything. Like it's pretty easy to understand and like comprehend like what happens. Like the, what's weird about it almost comes from i think one like the structure of it the way that it's like it's basically three chapters with the middle one not really connecting to the other two 
and it's about two serious ladies but they're barely like they barely interact it's like hard to find the connect so it's like there's all this unstated unexplained stuff that makes it weird whereas mm-hmm. like the writing itself is like pretty straightforward it's not like it's not like samuel beckett or something where it's like what yeah, is totally. happening here yeah exactly or like or like dahlgren or something which is kind of yeah like similarly like you don't know where it's going and then when it ends you're like oh all right i didn't it didn't really feel like it ended but dahlgren's like weird in a it's like weird on the surface whereas this one i like i don't know how to describe it in a way that sounds even smart it's like i can't figure out why it's so weird um yeah me 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 either uh but yeah but it is really weird um and it's 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 so funny like the scene uh i'm just kind of bouncing around so so sorry if i'm getting us off track no no you're good good. that like the part where uh miss goring is 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 with the i can't even remember his name he calls himself like citizen skunk at one point maybe it's like andy or something like that when he's Uh, like the, the guy she shacks up with near the end not the not the last guy, the guy who's like just a brute, but the guy before that, yeah, that she like the last guy. <laughs> yeah, the guy who's like just like he's like I'm a bum, and uh, yeah, he like yeah. is just like bowling, and uh, <laughs> yeah. she's like, oh, she's she's like always like she's attracted to these guys, she's kind of like afraid of. Um, it's it's strange, and then once he starts to be like, she kind of motivates him to be like more of a a person, like you know to be more goal oriented and stuff and then she just like shacks up with this other guy um which is really funny but yeah he's like um this scene where like he he's like trying to sell this he he owns some kind of property in this like just just piece of shit part of town and like the businessmen come in and like they like smell the cooking going on in his like little like tenement building or whatever and they're like you know playing like they're gonna like walk out or whatever it's so funny yeah Yeah. um i think what you like that she's always going after guys she's afraid of or whatever and Mm -hmm. it's like when once citizen skunk like gets respectable he's not frightening enough anymore and so she moves on to like this this real weird guy who yeah uh, they're not like bad boys they're like they're not like oh he seems kind of dangerous and like like the guy from practical magic if you saw that like <laughs> it's not like that like they're just weird guys yeah yeah um there's uh like i did i read this like kind of like encyclopedia article or something about mm-hmm. jane Bowles, and it mentioned how th- there's this anecdote that one night she went out walking along like the docks or something. And then the next day, Paul Bowles was like, why, why did you go walking along the docks? That's like dangerous or something. And she was like, well, I, I had to, cause I was afraid of it. And if I, and you know, if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to look myself in the face today. And so it seems like, there's this uh jane bowles personally had this impulse to kind of identify what frightened her and then kind of go and experience it and i guess that's sort of like the best 
framework I have for making sense of like Miss Gehring is like yeah she she like lives in this comfortable house and and she's kind of afraid of like roughing it so she buys a shack on Staten Island and live and lives there but then that becomes too comfortable so she meets a citizen skunk at a bar and just moves in with him and then that becomes too comfortable and and so it's like this progression of just finding and facing different fears um yeah i don't don't know i don't know where that would end for her it doesn't seem like a sustainable yeah she she ends up at frank's frank is the the last guy she's with who's just like uh like a kind of just a scary guy that doesn't really want her around and uh in like yeah doesn't she just end up at his place like She's like crying in the the cab and stuff like that. It's so strange. She's As they're like going to his place, aren't they? Cr- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then, I mean, he ends up kind of abandoning her, right? Like they go out yeah. to the diner, and then he won't let her sit at the table with him and his friends. And then he and his friends leave, and she's just sort of alone, I guess. Yeah. Um, totally. But she was always kind of like the entire time she's been with. Her like little stint with Frank is like, yeah, it's really fun. He like is always just abandoning her and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I do wonder like where she would end. I feel like she would just stay with Frank forever. They're kind of like the perfect. He's kind of like the perfect match for her in a way. He's like this like, like, doesn't she describe him as kind of just like looking like a like a Viking or like a Neanderthal? Yeah, that sounds right. Neanderthal sounds right. Yeah, he's just like he's just like this this like dopey gruff guy. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um what this is like kind of changing the subject, but like Mrs. Copperfield, like they go to Panama and she basically abandons her husband to, yes. to just spend time with uh uh, a sex Pacifica. worker, Pacifica. Yeah. What, which is which is a lot. I guess that's Jane Bowles really did. Like there was like this, maybe like this sex worker that she became kind of obsessed with. Have you read about this at all? Oh, like Pacifica. no, I haven't. Oh, I put it. I put it in my. I took a note on it. Yeah, uh, she like like you. You can find pictures of Jane Bowles, and she's with this uh lady that's just like she's completely like shrouded and her name is like sharifa and like that was like a weird and like sharifa like totally was like taking advantage of her and stuff like that and jane bowles kind of knew and paul bowles is always you know they have like they have like such a weird marriage uh they're both like each other's beards kind of but it's not quite as like simple as that it's not like they're both just gay they just have like this very uh, complicated marriage um uh but yeah no yeah i think pacific is based on this 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 girl sharifa that okay. like jane bowles became like totally obsessed with and had this like ex- yeah like totally codependent not even codependent because it sounds like sharifa didn't have the same relationship with her but she just became mm-hmm. like com- like had to have sharifa around but anyway pacific seems like that yeah, I was wondering if you, like, I, I, both times I read it, I didn't understand why Miss Copperfield was so obsessed with this 
person. Like, yeah. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. You got it better than I did. <laughs> no, but I did. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It seems kind of funny that like, I, I do like that like Mrs. Copperfield like doesn't know when uh like she has this experience that for some reason she thinks is so magical at this hotel with Mrs. Quill and Pacifica and I love that she just like extends it like she doesn't know she doesn't know like when the party is peaked and it's time to go yeah. home she yeah. just like yeah like she just wants to hang out at this like completely abysmally shitty hotel <laughs> and uh yeah it's I, I don't know, but it seems like just like reading Sheltering Sky with like the Kit character, and maybe I'm maybe I'm making too much of like a direct connection between the characters and stuff and Jane Bowles, but yeah, like Jane Bowles talks about or like Kit in that book, she like has like these like codependent relationships where she's like or she like like she just she feels like a part of herself is with this other person and it seemed like that's sort of her thing with pacifica like remember when they go to the at the end of the book when she meets up with miss goring and she like she's like where's pacifica like she has to have pacifica around pacifica's like annoyed and trying to like go off with her guy and stuff like yeah. that yeah yeah i guess it's worth mentioning pacifica comes to america like back to america with uh mrs copperfield and then like has a boyfriend that she maybe wants to marry or something, but is having a hard time, like, uh, separating herself from Mrs. Copperfield. Yeah. But. It, yeah, she, like, she, like, yeah, it's that, I mean, not knowing when, when the party is peak, she, like, literally <laughs> brings Specifica back home with her. It's so strange. Yeah. Um, um, dude, so weird. So, uh, there, I was, like, flipping through this uh before we started chatting and there was like a section i thought was interesting that uh maybe helps like understand at least mrs copperfield's like motivations or something uh in my edition it's on page 42 i imagine it's probably yeah, different it's probably close um it's a, it's a, like a few pages into chapter 2 of okay of the, um but it says, like, now she said to herself, when people believed in God, they carried him from one place to another. They carried him through the jungles and across the Arctic Circle. God watched over everybody, and all men were brothers. Now there is nothing nothing to carry with you from one place to another. And as far as I'm concerned, these people might as well be kangaroos. Yet somehow there must be someone here who will remind me of something. I must try to find a nest in this outlandish place. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. So it, it seems like it's not like I feel like Miss Mrs. Copperfield is like going around looking for God necessarily, but she's like, I feel like she's looking for something that could fill the void that like is left after people don't believe in God anymore or something. And it's, I don't know, it's weird to me that maybe she at least thinks she finds it in her relationship with Pacifica. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I truly, like, don't understand. 
Well, well, I don't understand anyone's relationship with each other in this book at all. Like, but yeah, I I completely don't understand her relationship with Pacifica. I'm trying to find this. Like, do you remember when uh, Mr. Copperfield gives her like a letter or something when she like won't? She's like, yeah. Yeah, she, like, won't travel with him. She, like, insists on staying in, like, Panama City. And yeah. he, like, gives her he gives her this note that's, like... I feel like this must have actually happened between Paul and Jane Bowles. Like, and it's so, like, it's such a... It's, like, a mean but truthful letter. I'm trying to find it. It's so... It's, like, yeah, it's really funny. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, he, she, she just gets, like, completely called out. Oh, here we go. I found it. Hold on. Let me see if there's anything worth. Or here, go ahead. I'm just I'm just reading through this. Oh, one. I was like, their marriage seems really bizarre to me too, and like the way that they go on vacation essentially together and then spend all of their time apart, which kind of happens in the sheltering sky, as well. Um, yeah. And I, my guess is that's how their relationship was, and I guess that helps me understand it a little bit. But it's hard for me to imagine, like, going, traveling somewhere with someone and then being like, okay, see you back in America. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, well, he has all these plans and she just, like, won't, she won't, uh, yeah, for some reason she she just insists on staying in Panama City. And then in in Sheltering Sky, it's kind of similar where it's like, she takes a train with Tunner for some reason, even though she like they have like a car. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It's not too serious, ladies. But yeah, she just it's just like all these like bizarre decisions. Like, yeah, I found the letter. Time. I guess Mrs. Copperfield's name is Frida. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I remember it being like more. I remember I remember it hitting at the time. <laughs> now I'm reading. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's not anything here yeah um something that i think adds to like this book being hard to figure out is sometimes things will be said or things will happen but it doesn't really linger on it it just kind of like moves on so like yeah yeah i read that quote about her kind of like musing on like oh people used to take god with them from place to place and now people don't do that but there has to be something people carry around it's not like that's a theme that comes up again and again. Like you can't track like her quest for God or whatever through through the novel. It's just like something that's said and then kind of left alone and then like other things happen. Uh Yeah, totally. I wouldn't have made that connection till you till you brought it up. Would you say like I feel like this is not like a pull the other thing that makes this is like a weird book is i don't feel like it's a pull quote book you know like books where it's like oh yeah yeah where it's like yeah like there's so many where it's like oh wow here's the here's the quote like it's just a it's just a bunch of quotes like paul bowles writes like that where it's like you know it's like oh you know he's developing the plot and developing tension then here's here's that really great quote right there here's that quote that kind of relates to the title of the book and there's just no like <clears throat> I I thought when I was reading it again for this that I would like find specific quotes that like were but I couldn't find Yeah, there's just not really quotes like that. 
it's just yeah. a, again, it's just a vibe. You just have to, I would recommend anyone reading it just, just, just one through or like, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't read it like academically, just, just, just rip it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like have stuff marked or whatever, but I, yeah. I don't feel like, it, I don't think the things to follow my markings through it i don't think they would connect or like lead to any grand realization or, or whatever um, yeah yeah i feel like i had a thought before that but i've lost it yeah. oh i was gonna you said like connecting to the title or whatever i think this book has way more than two serious ladies in it like <laughs> it's the best title for a book <laughs> yeah yeah i, I think, love it i think there's at least at least four serious ladies, maybe five. Yeah. All, all the ladies are goofballs for sure. I yeah. don't know if they're serious at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. I felt, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, I know. I love the title of the book though. It's so like, yeah, it's so like, uh, bland in a way. <laughs> yeah. Just like descriptive. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I remember the first time reading it, I did. I really didn't know who the serious ladies were. And I feel like it's start like, because one of the chat, like, it follows like Miss Gamelin for a little while. And I was like, oh, is she, is she one serious lady and Miss Gehring another serious lady? And then it's yeah, like, you no. think they're going to be the two serious ladies. Yeah. At the beginning. And then Mrs. Copperfield. But then it even like the focus shifts for a little while to Mrs. Quayle as she like, tries to um do business with like she tries to do a business deal like the that is uh, so funny that Ms. part mrs quail is like the hotel owner of the cd hotel in panama and she meets a guy at the bar in her hotel and they go to a different hotel bar and he wants to do business or something and mm. it doesn't work out and he just leaves her and she doesn't have enough money to pay for the the bill or whatever and mrs copperfield has to come and pay for her and and she wants to buy like a magnet or something with the hotel name on it to give to pacifica um, she just wants anything that says the hotel name is yeah. it it's the hotel washington right yeah yeah for and like then, a hotel that she in the city she lives in it's like yeah. so strange <laughs> and they just were gonna sell her an ashtray or something because like the hotel, they, the hotel store, or whatever, didn't have anything in, in it. Yeah, they're the like, hotel. why would you? Why would you want? We don't sell stuff with the hotel name because it's. Why would you want that? We have <laughs> yeah. stuff that says like Panama. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, when I was the first time I read it, I, I was sure Mrs. Quayle was one of the serious ladies, um, but apparently not. Uh -huh. yeah i mean maybe that third serious lady was it was going to be a mrs quill story who knows yeah but that that part where the guy is just like just punishing her like trying to be like i can do bit like he he's just like so impatiently frothing at the mouth trying to like get in on this business and then when immediately when he sees that she's like completely broke like she shows him her checkbook or something like yeah. that or like her bank statement and she has like twenty dollars in it, and then he just like leaves and stiffs her with the bill. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's. But she keeps saying she's like, "Oh yeah, I've got money. I've got money saved away," and and it's like twenty dollars. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching. I finished it now, but the last week or so, watching that show, 
um that's so popular um it's like white lotus or something. white lotus yeah 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 i feel like i haven't seen it yet i think it's worth watching and i yeah yeah i feel like um i feel like paul and jane bowles would do well on that on that show (laughs) like like there's some there's like there's like a two serious ladies vibe to aspects uh of of that show especially watch it then like one time someone described my dog violet as a jane bowles character because she goes off on little adventures and comes back traumatized and and so that that little uh that description i think adequately summarizes sort of how jane bowles characters function in this book is they they go off on little adventures and get traumatized and yeah that definitely happens in in white lotus um they go go to like uh sicilian palaces and end up traumatized in like pretty cringy awkward ways too i was trying to think of like what movies reminded me of like two serious ladies vibe like there uh have you ever seen muriel's wedding Ooh, uh n- no it does like they, it doesn't like it doesn't line up that well but like some of the characters like the family you'll have to watch it it's it's one of my favorites but it's like um yeah like uh the main girl's muriel's family like is very too serious ladies like they're all just okay. like so pathetic yeah yeah in white lotus it's like everyone's filthy like extremely rich and pretty pathetic um and there there tends to be like a clash between the rich people and then the people who live in the place being visited and Mm. um also some sort of like fetishization of like the locals or the or the place or or whatever uh in yeah anyways so i think yeah i think two serious ladies could be adapted into a season of white lotus probably uh yeah i i was just trying to think of how you would adapt this at all to uh to it, a movie yeah you'd have like, to impossible. pick you'd have to pick one of the i think people would have to pick one of the stories or something like you could do one serious lady but the the connection between the two serious ladies is like two like invisible i feel like yeah i mean it's completely forced in yeah funny that they meet at this party that this party is not it is not a major plot point they just (laughs) kind of like put it in there or did she she meets i guess i guess miss goring meets arnold at the party yeah and uh arnold is just like this completely dopey guy who is just extremely forward with her right he's like He's like, I would like to sleep with you, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. She says, like, okay, despite being pretty, like, repulsed by him. And then they, like, go to his house, which is his parents' house. And then I think he just goes to bed. And she gets stuck in this, like, drafty, like, shitty guest room, you know? And she, like, cries in there or something. Like, I I don't know. It's so strange. Yeah, and then I mean Arnold's dad shows up in there, I think, like ready to sleep with her, but then Arnold's mom shows up and like gets, like knows what's up and yeah, I like when he's like, 
oh, she won't do anything. And then she's like, you're a harlot. And she's like <laughs> raging out. The mom is. Yeah. Yeah. Ar- Arnold, like, so, so Arnold, like, she has no interest really in Arnold. He's just this like dopey, low achieving schlub who like, I think works at his dad's business or, or something like that, like real estate. And then um, he just moves in with her at this like she's she has this this nice house it's like a family home and then just moves like you were saying just moves to this like much crappier house and she she mentions doesn't she mention there's like a particular smell because they do there's like a chemical plant or something there yeah and she's like oh yeah i want to go because when i went like I remember going here and I remember like the smell being like so like noxious or something like her justification for going is that this is like such a piece of shit place to be in it's insane and so yeah they they move in this like run down house and then he just moves in with her and just sleeps on the couch the whole time yeah and he still pays rent in his parents house and yeah and and just lives and he and miss gamlin start to hate each other and they can't like be in the same like they they divvy up days of the week in which to like be in spaces within the house um i forgot about that yeah i i feel like and then like miss gamlin is acting like complains about miss Garing and is, is like she's crazy and doing all this weird stuff but it's like they're just as crazy as yeah like everyone in this book is kind of like insane and it's impossible to like pin down anyone's like motivation or justification for for anything that they do Uh, yeah i should say that so how miss goring and miss gamelin get together is miss gamelin visits miss goring and says she i forgot she knows somebody related to miss goring somehow and miss goring is like internally like kind of like has a bad feeling about miss gamlin or like doesn't like her but then just volunteers to have miss gamlin like move in with her for just no reason and then yeah as soon as miss gamlin moves in she's just always complaining about miss miss goring and miss gore miss gamlin lives completely like rent free in all these places moves with her to like the to like the really crappy rundown spot that she buys uh miss miss goring buys and then like her and her okay so her and arnold who can't stand each other but eventually he has like funny little nicknames for her and like runs it by miss goring he's like oh yeah i call her this it's like when did this happen uh (laughs) they move in together to a new spot and then miss gamlin like writes miss goring to be like Oh yeah, if you could just send the rent check to this place, like, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she she complains about Miss Goring the whole time. She's so negative, and then she moves to another place, and then like is asking, not even asking, but just being like, oh yeah, so just send, make sure you send the rent checks over here to this spot that I got. So she she's just living rent free. Uh, it's bizarre. She's the worst character, I would say. Yeah, who's your who's your least favorite character? I mean, they're all horrible, but she's probably my least favorite. Yeah, I think 
me as well. I guess I don't feel strong feelings about any of them, but I don't. I don't really either. Just objectively, she, she's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess for me, it's like I have the hardest time understanding her. It's like, what do you have to complain about? Yeah, like, exactly. You're you're living for free, and uh, that's like, why I le- dislike her the most. Yeah, she's the most. She's the most. No one's decisions make sense, but she's the most negative about everything. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, Arnold just seems, like, pathetic. You know, like... When he goes and plays basketball and is, like, (laughs) so weird to go to an island (laughs) and he just joins this basketball game. He's, like, just this dumpy guy. Yeah. It's so funny. He, like works all day and then he comes and sleeps on a on a couch while paying rent at his parents house uh yeah it's like no one in the book is happy or satisfied and they're like well maybe this will make me feel better and then they just go and try it and it it doesn't make them feel any better uh yeah (laughs) i mean yeah arnold i understand the most just because I mean, for it seems like his motivation is just like he's just like a low achieving, like he's just a lazy loser guy, and we can all relate to that in some <laughs> in some way, you know. But yeah, everyone else, his dad is so funny. So his dad, like uh, him and him and Miss Goring, yeah, I w- I agree with you. I think you said it earlier, but they have the most like genuine connection. They actually seem like they like each other, not in a romantic. Like he seems to be in love with her. She just seems she likes like his like spirit. He's like a very spirited guy yeah. who just talks shit on his son. Like, <laughs> and then so he he seems kind of like I mean he's like a weird old man, but he seems kind of to me he seemed kind of cool at first yeah Uh, and then he like he's like an old man and he he like decides he's gonna be like a bohemian and live with them Uh, yeah he moves in with them doesn't he like yeah he does i forgot about yes yeah and he's so pitiful like he's like he's the one he's like so he's pitiful because he's he's like oh i'm like i'm an artist now i'm a bohemian this is like an old guy who with like a wife and like he just lived a very he seems like he you know did everything pretty like straight and by the book and then just like late in life is he's like reading isn't he reading like uh like he's he's reading like uh he's i don't remember he's like reading like woodsworth or something out loud yeah like like reading like reading poetry out loud or like he's reading Longfellow, but yeah, he's like reading it out loud. It's it's so pathetic. Yeah, like just just like just loafing around this place and being like, I'm an artist. And then you, and then we watch him start to kind of like disintegrate. Like he can't, because he, he's kind of he just he's just hanging at the house. And then they like go to this other island. Like him and Miss Gor- like Miss Goring is like, I have to go to this island. I have to do this stuff. She like keeps she like her. She seems to be possessed by something. Like, all her choices are like, oh, I have to do this. Like, I have to go to the island. I have to go to this, like, crappy bar where I watch, like, this fight happen. And, like, this guy is, like, this, like, psychotic-seeming guy, Citizen Skunk, is, like, yeah. <laughs> she like She's like, I'll be back here tomorrow. I like when he's just, like, she does come back, and he's like, oh, I didn't think you were going to come back. Yeah. Like, why, why would you? Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Um, I mean, that when when she's playing this like game as a child, like I forgive all your sins, where she makes her friend like roll. It's not around. even her. Fr- it's not even her friend, by the way. It's her little sister's much younger friend that yeah. she like. When her sister is away, she's like, "Hey, come here," because like she has no friends. Yeah, yeah. So she makes this so, friend roll around in the mud until. Well, she's like, "Hey." mary i think is the friend's name Mm. let's go play this game called i forgive you all your sins and the friend is like is it a fun game and miss Garing, as a kid is like we're not playing it because it's fun we're playing because it's necessary Uh, (laughs) like whatever that means but (laughs) but it just seems like she only does things that she feels like for one reason or another she has to do like yeah like moving to this island because it's necessary or she's only like hanging out with citizen skunk because it's necessary um yeah and it i guess i bring up the the game as a kid because it just tracks through like adult like child totally um i kind of admire her because like i you know obviously you know I can feel I can feel a bit aimless and not know like you know what direction my my life or whatever should take and I always have to kind of make quote unquote rational choices like okay my next decision has to make sense or better me in some way better my life circumstances but I kind of like the way that she does stuff where she just she just kind of <laughs> goes for it and it do, it do, it never betters her situation and it doesn't have like it doesn't have like this you know pseudo rational calculus around it she just yeah. does it it's just, it's completely impulsive but not impulsive in like this like pleasure seeking way but kind of yeah it's it's not really the opposite though it's not like she's like oh i have to do this because it's shitty but i guess kind of it that is what it is really now i'm thinking about it yeah i mean i don't think it's as stark as like shitty but i think it's like I think it's like going back to like trying to be uncomfortable. Like this, this situation makes me uncomfortable. Therefore I need to, I need to be in it. Um, Totally. But But it's so different than how like Mr. Copperfield slash just like Paul Bowles does stuff where he's like, I like to be in situations where I feel alien there where I'm surrounded by unfamiliar things. Like, yeah, hers is like this whole different, I don't know. Cause she's kind of like, I don't know. I forgot where I was going with it. But yeah, it's just hard to define. It's hard to like pinpoint where any of the characters are coming from. Yeah. But it, yeah. What you just said, there's a section in the Mrs. Copperfield chapter where she's kind of complaining about tourists, I think. And she's kind of saying like, tourists will just like experience things at a surface level. They'll go from like one place to another place and the places will start to remind them of the other places. So like, like someone can go from New York state to, to Panama. And when they're in Panama, they'll just sort of like start to notice things in Panama that remind them of New York state or something. And she's Mm. sort of dismissive of traveling that way. And that like, you should have these sort of like deep unfamiliar experiences when, when you're, when you're traveling. Um, Totally. So I think, she does and i guess that like 
tracks because they could have gone and stayed at the Hotel Washington, which would be this like comfortable, wealthy hotel where people like them would be at. Or they could go yeah. stay at this like real sketchy uh, hotel, and that's and that's what they do. So yeah, I mean, but she I... she she wanted to stay at Hotel Washington initially, I think, and then I think Mr. Copperfield was like, oh, was no, it's just a it's just a waste of money. And then, but then she like fell in love with this like garbage hotel they were at. Oh, okay, yeah, I think that's what happened, right? That, yeah, that that sounds right. Uh, I had forgotten that she had wanted to stay. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was she had wanted to go to the sketchy hotel, and he was like, "I'm not going to be able to sleep there" or something. But I could have it backwards. I don't... Yeah, I can't remember now. I don't know but if it definitely... matters that much. Yeah, there's definitely that thing. It's it's funny because I was watching the the trailer for the the Bertolucci adaptation of a. Uh sheltering sky oh, which yeah. I, I have you ever seen that no i've always which, meant to yeah in the movie they like make her look literally like jane bowles whereas in the book she's like supposed to be blonde i mean it's for sure jane bowles in the book but they like he does he's like oh she has blonde hair yeah it's not my wife yeah <laughs> but uh uh but yeah there's like a funny like in the trailer there's like a funny quote where it's like it's like yeah they're like we're not tourists we're travelers yeah like a tour like <laughs> it seems so cringy now like oh yeah of course <laughs> yeah i mean when i was just saying whatever it was i said i was like well it makes it sound like she's trying to like search for like a true authentic experience or something like that yeah they're they're not van life she's not van life i promise <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But they kind of seem, they like could be Van, like Paul Bowles, I don't think he's Van Life, but he kind of could be. What's like, Van Life? You know, you never heard of that? It's like, no. uh, like people who are like, you know, it's like vloggers who like get, they like buy a van and they like oh, travel. Oh, oh. Yeah, they buy like it, a BMW van and they put a stove in it and then they like. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's really, it's really like, we're not tourists, we're travelers. Yeah. Like we're traveling. <laughs> yeah um but yeah no paul Bowles is cool though they're 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 cool yeah they both are i think like i get the sense like saying like oh they're searching for like a true authentic experience or whatever mm. it seems like it's it, the experience that the characters in two serious ladies are searching for are, it's almost like they're searching for some sort of religious experience or something and yeah that, I, didn't, I didn't think of it that way but yeah you're right i um i know i like read somewhere once that like as a kid like jane bowles like read simone Vey before going to bed every night or something like that no way that yeah. makes a lot of sense actually yeah. yeah like i think she's obsessed or was obsessed with Simone Vey, who is also really into like arbitrarily like making oneself uncomfortable. Not like yeah, like I hadn't thought of it, but like Simone Vey basically lived like her parents. I think were sort of wealthy middle class French people, and Simone Vey insisted on like uh, going and working in a factory and st mm -hmm. and. Uh, even though she was like constitutionally like uh, unqualified, like she was 
sickly, I guess, and made herself. Yeah. And she she would do all of these things. Like she she went to try to like fight in the Spanish Civil War, um, and even though she was like a sickly, uh, at that time probably teenaged woman or some, something like that. And then right. and then she like refused to like eat more than like people in occupied France during World War Two, like in solidarity. So she was like she had access to food, but she was refusing to eat it because she knew people elsewhere didn't have that same that same access. But she was doing all of this with like she had sort of a financial support system behind her that like she could have drawn on or could have used, but sort of refused to. And Miss Gehring is kind of the same. Like, um, I mean, I don't think Miss Gehring sort of like experiments with, or like I, her choices in life would, I, I don't think like Pacifica could live her life that way necessarily. Like it, it it's only enabled from her sort of financial and <clears throat> financial independence um, yeah well, well when pacifica gets the opportunity to like have some stability by just basically through mrs copperfield she like meets a guy and she like tries to have a normal life yeah exactly yeah. she's like oh great now that now that i like have my like needs met like my you know i don't have to be like a sex worker yeah for all these like sketchy doc guys like these like sailor dudes all like yeah yeah she tries to like be normal and like uh or not yeah whatever she tries to like do like she just wants like a normal life like yeah yeah and stuff she, and, she like, tries to be monogamous like not and make money from like not yeah prostitution and like and mrs copper feels like so resentful of that it seems like no or like she just seems like oh she's so into this guy like i don't get it yeah and then, like meanwhile mrs copperfield the way that she's written about in that last scene where she meets up with miss goring and miss goring is just kind of like horrified by her appearance it's almost like she's like uh remember in like requiem for a dream i keep saying like remember remember this movie <laughs> uh remember in requiem for a dream uh which i'm sure you watched when you were 14 like all of us did like uh like the the lady at the end like when she gets all hooked on the diet pills and looks all crazy that that seems to be what she looks like in the book like yeah just like sallow and fried and yeah it's bad leathery yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um I've I never saw Requiem for a Dream. Oh, you gotta see it. <laughs> I know it's I, one of <laughs> it's like the classic movie I pretend to have seen. Like I feel like it's like a lot of things where it's like that time has passed. Unfortunately, it's like if you didn't read Catcher in the Rye already, it's it's too late for you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not too late to read Two Serious Ladies. Uh, no, not at all. And and. Uh, I feel you know what's weird. I think this is actually the third time I've reread it. I think I've read oh, it. Man. I think this is number three, and like each time, I love it, and I just completely forget what the book is about. Like, yeah, I mean, I read it not even that long ago. Well, I guess I read it probably like twenty eighteen, which in my reading life isn't that long ago. 
but I I didn't remember anything about it except like the swimming scene where Pacifica kind of teaches her to swim or something. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's the only part I kind of remembered, and I think because I thought of it as like a a baptism or so, or something. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I the one I said I was going to ask you, like the way this whole podcasting thing sort of works is someone chooses a book and we both read it and i was gonna ask you why you picked two serious ladies for us to both right yeah i picked it well one one you said please pick a short book (laughs) and then uh i knew we'd both read it before i probably would have honestly i probably would have picked this book anyway i really wanted to reread it and um I think it's such like uh, I, it's kind of the worst book to pick too because it's so hard to talk about. Yeah, it's um, pretty weird. Yeah, there's not like it's not it's it's not really a book too where like you can like pick out certain idea, ideas like I don't know like it's Robert Musil or something. Where kind it's of like, more oh, impressionistic. Like yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's not like a philosophical book where you can. Or like maybe it is. I don't. I don't know. I it goes over my head if if it is. Yeah, I get the sense that it's like philosoph. Like it's, I I do think it's informed by like philosophy or theology or something like that. But rather than sort of like spell out a philosophy or something, it's just like a series of like events, and the events are sort of constructed and guided by some sort of unspoken philosophy like yeah that's how i get it and that's why it's hard for me to figure out like what the philosophy or whatever is or like what these like events build to or mean or whatever because it's all kind of like unstated and we're not like really given context or something it just seems like weird encounter after weird encounter I think that's the, honestly the perfect synopsis of what this book is. Because yeah. you're right, it is like very impressionistic and it is just like encounter after encounter that like don't really build towards anything. Um, and all the encounters are like somewhat similar. Like all the mm-hmm. characters, they're different, but they all operate similarly of like, I, I just can't figure out what motivates them. And I think what you said, too, of, like, I, I can't remember what you said. But basically, like, whatever she's getting at, she's not hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. You know? I think I think there's something, like, very mysterious about this book that, like, I've, I think is really exciting. Yeah, it definitely makes it re-readable, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like you read it and you're like, oh, I get it. It's like you read it and you're kind of like, what the heck was that? Uh, do do you feel stressed reading this? I feel like this like kind of excited, stressed out feeling. There's definitely some scenes, some situations in it that feel stressful in like a like a cringe comedy sort of sort of way. Um, oh, I had I had a, I have to put it down sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like definitely the scene where Citizen Skunk, uh, and the the businessmen come in. Yeah, and like. He just make it like it's just so cringy and pathetic. Or like when Arnold's dad is like waiting at the ice cream yeah, shop yeah. and he just seems like 
it's like yeah she describes it as like yeah this like guy who was once this like force of nature is now just like humbled yeah like (laughs) he just seems like like a kind of like a senile old man that like needs um yeah like needs a caretaker or something yeah 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 Um. I do think this is one of my favorite books, though. Like, I, I mean, I can't, like, even think off top what, what else I would throw in there, but it's just so fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and ra- rating Sheltering Sky, I really like Sheltering Sky, but it's more, um, it's just more, like, it has a bit more, like, form. It's more of, like, a traditional book. I don't really yeah. know how else to put it. Like, Oh, the tensions building, and and it's it is an exciting book. Everyone should read that one too. Um, skip up above the world, though. I learned that the hard way. Uh, <laughs> that, that one's not. It's okay, but it's not that good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I read I don't, Sheltering Sky first, and I like I loved it. I thought it was like it's great. I think it's because it does have sort of like like pithy like lines that you can kind of pull out like. it's a a quote polar for sure when i when i read it at that time i was i had like a notebook where i'd write down quotes from books that i that i liked and wanted to like remember or whatever and there was a bunch from from that book something about cigarettes there's like a line or something about a cigarette that i remember loving um oh yeah uh me too it's the one where he's like a cigarette like it, dude, I I know exactly the line yeah. you're talking. It's like right at the beginning of the book. Yeah, that was yeah. another. That was one too where I was like, "That's a good line." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like I marked it. I probably oh, actually. You know what? I'm thinking of a different book. That's funny. I was just reading another book oh, okay. where where there's another another great line about a cigarette. Yeah, I I didn't mark it in the book because I wrote it down and marked the page number, so. Uh, I, I can dig yeah. it up somewhere. It's in a notebook, but um, yeah. but I think I was really in, into into that where it's like, oh, what a great line! And so I, I love there like uh, there's a there's a old uh, Tim Blood and the Gut Panthers song with uh, the lyrics that mostly come from the Sheltering Sky. Oh uh, hell yeah! <laughs> what's what's I'll, I'll let, I'm gonna listen to it. I'm gonna look at the whole discography and figure out which one it is. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, yeah, cool. I so, think this. I think this book also was one where I I used to read to to kind of. I wouldn't read two pull quotes, but that's sort of how. I don't know my brain were or like a how do I say it like, I feel like I thought it like I I thought in a more like essayistic way. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like like essay writing and then oh you you have your little here's the pithy quote, you know. Yeah. And I'm yeah. Rely, I'm relying on this really good quote because like maybe the, the rest of the writing isn't that great. So like, <laughs> oh, but here's the quote yeah. you know, that expresses exactly how I feel, you know, about whatever. The cigarette line or whatever. Yeah. And then but then, and I feel like maybe it was in this book, but I I, I feel like that I made a transition later where instead of like, oh, I'm pulling the quotes out and like highlighting and, and reading in this really like slow and um, intentional way, just like ripping the book, you know, like, yeah. like I'm just going to I'm just going to like let it wash over me. And that's how I read now. And I, I do prefer it. And 
for some, it might not be this book, but I feel like this is one of the first books I read where I yeah. it made me transition into that of just ripping it. Yeah, I, I kind of do both sometimes, but like when I when I like underline a lot of stuff and like like highlight it and think I'm like putting it to like figuring it out or whatever. At the end, I I rarely feel like I understand the book so much better than if I just sort of like blew through it you know or like you know because it's like one way it's like i'm trying to kind of logically come to some sort of conclusion about the book and the other way is like i'm trying to like have an experience of, of the book and i think like both methods kind of put me in the same place at the end of finishing a book um which is if i actually want to have gotten something through it i probably need to like read it a second time <laughs> like yeah like either way if i'm just reading it one time through neither method like do i feel like so much smarter at the end of or like i understood the book so much better or whatever uh, i just feel like I, either way i feel like i need to reread it because i'm missing something <laughs> this this book is such a rereader i, I feel think, like i can read it once a year and feel great yeah i think it's true because one it's hard to remember and two it's not like I think because it doesn't follow necessarily like a, a traditional plot structure or whatever, it, it's not like there's some sort of like rising action and then like climax and then resolution. And I, I feel like that sort of plot structure, once you've experienced it, it's like done. Like, okay, I know how this book goes. I know like the main conflict. I know like how it resolves or whatever. With Two Serious Ladies, there's not really that. It just kind of like continually leaves you feeling weird and maybe unsatisfied a little bit. It's like, I feel like I've all, like every time I read it, I'm like, oh, I've almost, I feel like I, I'm just missing something and then it'll all make mm -hmm. sense. But that thing that I'm missing never manifests. And so I can just keep going back looking for it kind of. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, though, does this book, you're like probably the most well-read person I know. Does this book remind you of anything, like any other books or anything like that? Uh, that's a good question. Not, like Honestly, like nothing really comes to mind because I've read other novels that like feel disjointed in the way that this feels disjointed. But this isn't like, it's not like, those novels maybe feel like poorly put together. Like they were bad books. <laughs> um, well, this, this is also kind of a bad book in a way. Like it's, it's poorly put together, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. That's the but thing. Like, I mean, what it, what it makes me think of is like, I meant like white Lotus. It makes me think of that just because of the sort of like, uh, destination like wildness of the and like staying at a hotel and then having these like weird experiences but then also a lot of cringy comedy stuff like the the book is like really cringe comedy in a lot of in a lot of ways and so i think i think that's fair yeah so like nathan fielder stuff where he's just like kind of making people uncomfortable and they're going along with him and you don't know wh why they're like why would anyone agree to like do the things nathan fielder suggests but they do and then it's just like awkward i don't know 
but I can't think of a book. I mean, Sheltering Sky is like the only thing I can. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think of like like those like it's not. I I don't think it. I, they it kind of reminds me of like some of those like Nathaniel West books, like A Cool uh, Million and Day of the Locust. Like it's different, but it's I don't know. Those ones are so like. I feel like those ones are way more cruel, like where you're just watching yeah. the characters. Like, yeah, this one's not. It's not quite like that. Yeah, because like, with like, I haven't read a cool million, but with um, Day of the Locust, you get the sense that like Nathaniel West is like, like trying to take the piss out of people that live in Hollywood. You know, like he he's like yeah, for sure he's like um, criticizing them and in, in kind of a. A, I don't know, mean, nihilistic, satirical sort of way. And yeah. you don't get the sense that Jane Bowl, like you get the sense that Jane Bowles like identifies with, with the women, with the two serious ladies. Like, yeah, yeah. She's not like ridiculing them for their, their petty existences or whatever. Yeah. They both seem like her basically like yeah. different sides of her. Yeah. So maybe there's really only one serious lady. Yeah. Yeah, Miss Goring seems like the the one the part of her that's like what you describe her at uh, you, you you said that like little anecdote about about Jane Bowles. She was like walking around this Oh, where was she walking? Yeah, she was like 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 docks, like waterfronts or something that was dangerous cuz she wanted to like face her fear basically cuz she would like hate herself if she didn't. Yeah, like Miss Goring seems like that part, and then Mrs. Copperfield seems like the the Jane Bowles you hear about. That's just like, you know, drinking all the time. That's not necessarily Mrs. Copperfield. Well, actually, yeah, Mrs. Copperfield's for sure a drunk. Yeah, <laughs> and like hiding out in the hotel room. Like they they go on these vacations or not vacations. They're they're travelers. They're not tourists. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. But they like. <laughs> uh they yeah like and she's like in the hotel room she seems like fearful in like a more uh it doesn't seem like she's like facing her fears necessarily she's just like evade she's like very evasive yeah i feel like there's a difference in their fears because it feels like miss Garing, like the situations she puts herself in and the fears that she's facing are like physical like she's going to sketchy places and hanging out with like brutish scary dudes that she meets in bars and like on like secluded islands and stuff like she's putting her going to their houses yeah she's putting herself in like physical danger and mrs copperfield is not doing that like the sort of fears mrs copperfield has don't seem to be physical or it's Mm. like it's like relationships like because there's obviously like a weird relationship with her husband and then there's obviously like weird relationships with mrs quail and pacifica and so there's like something immaterial that is like i think frightening and motivating mrs copperfield um but it's not her like physical body or whatever the way it is for Mrs. Miss Garing, I think. Mm. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to like put my finger on yeah. anything in this book, <laughs> but I think that's pretty pretty fair. What you're saying, 
should we wrap this up i don't know <laughs> let's wrap it i don't yeah, want everyone, don't should, want everyone get, should read this book i don't want it to get boring for my fans <laughs> dude yeah yeah i wonder who's gonna listen to this but um uh, but yeah re- read this book it's really it's really cool yeah um are you reading anything else that's cool at the moment sheltering sky i guess i'm reading yeah doing doing the sheltering sky trying to finish that and then i'm on the another another tim recommendation i i'm on the uh the fifth my struggle book i put it down for like a really long time but i just picked i gotta i gotta finish it i'm on like i'm like 350 pages in i agree with you that it's like it's i think it's like the best one since the second one yeah i i think that's true i think he said that it's the last honest one that he wrote <laughs> oh really? yeah I don't know. who knows what he means? not the one where he talks about like hitler forever yeah i guess that one was a big lie or something yeah i i can't wait to get this to the to the the, the sixth one the, the big hitler one <laughs> yeah. that was honestly like why like i i think i read the first one and i love the first one but i just totally fell off on it and then once i think you were texting me and you were like yeah this whole book is about hitler for some reason i was like okay i have to i have to read all these yeah i heard someone talking about how they just went and read the sixth one i was like come on dude i can't do that i was gonna say i think you could like to understand the sixth one i don't think you need to have read all the ones i know but it feels like i don't know because i haven't read it yet but that's so cheating like come on yeah i'm i mean i'm with you i read i read them in order uh yeah, I like i know i'm gonna get to it and be disappointed or just like huh okay yeah but anyway, i think sorry, the fifth one is like the most novelistic like it's the most like a normal novel i feel like um yeah and and yeah i mean that's when he's at writing school right he's, like, yeah he's at writing school yeah. and then he finishes with john fossey oh yeah um who seems really i think he seems really cool in the book yeah um, I mean, I think he's, uh, I mean, he's my favorite, John, John Fossa. Oh, really? Yeah. I still haven't read him, but, I, but you recommended him. Yeah. It's fun. It's funny reading these books because you read these books forever ago and then like gave me a bunch of like recommendations for, for some great stuff like <laughs> Thomas Bernard. And then as I'm reading the, yeah. these books, it's like, oh, here's, yeah, here's yeah. Thomas Bernard here's John Fossey. I'm trying to think of other people, but I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Peter Hanke. Like, yeah oh i love i love uh i just read one of his i read like i did that like i read the short book which they're which all they're all short but canal writes about one of them at length i think and i think that's the one i read about his mom dying is it sorrow beyond dreams yeah 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 that one was great yeah. okay yeah i i saw he has some longer ones i i definitely read the short one which which uh drives friend of the pod jeff johnson crazy <laughs> i don't know yeah. I remember bringing up like the only pension I read was like, oh. or, like I feel like pension came up and I was like, yeah, I read Crying of Lot Forty Nine. He was so like, Ugh. the short one. That's the only one. <laughs> like, I oh, read. you read the sh- you read the short one. <laughs> yeah, like, all right. It's the one I read too. But yeah. Uh, well, yeah. anyways, thanks for doing this, Clay. Uh, Dude, I was excited. Sweet. I'm pumped. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna hit stop recording now. Bye. All right. All right. Later.